welcome to another B-Movie interview. Today we have writer and director Clarence Williams. Clarence, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I um, briefly met Clarence at the Pittsburgh Horror Realm. Um, Clarence, how did you enjoy your time in Pittsburgh? Um, it's actually great. I'm actually, I went to school in Pittsburgh. I graduated um, last May from uh, Carnegie Mellon University. I was a directing major in the School of Drama. So I'm very familiar with Pittsburgh. I was living there for about four years. Um, I'd recently moved out to Los Angeles after graduation, so it was it was, it was nice to be back. You know, be back, and I also shot my film in Pittsburgh, so um, so it was, it was definitely a great experience being back there and you know exposing um my my fellow peers and my actors and everyone who was a part of the production um to Pittsburgh and um for the ones that weren't from Pittsburgh, and then also working with um everyone that was from Pittsburgh and bringing everyone together. So I, I had a great time. I had a great time being in Pittsburgh. Well, I didn't realize that um, that your movie was filmed in Pittsburgh, so that's going to be really cool getting to see um, um, kind of buildings and different places that we're familiar with. Absolutely, it was. It, I actually um, we shot shot a bunch of different areas. I um, mean, one of the one of our filming locations was um, the Mellon Institute, which was affiliated with Carnegie Mellon. So it was cool for me, you know, to get to shoot at a place affiliated with my school. So um, so yeah, we definitely definitely um tried to film as many places as we could while we were while we were here in Pittsburgh. Very cool. So we just had a few questions we wanted to ask you. When did you decide filmmaking was for you? When did um you first realize that writing films was what you wanted to pursue? Uh actually that kinda goes back to when I was ten. I um I made a film about the history of Georgia for um a history class when I was in the fifth grade. And um I did it all you know, I shot it myself, wrote the script. Um, I even starred in it, had my mom also appear as um, a news reporter. So that was like my first kind of, um, that was the first time I kind of dabbled in filmmaking. And um, I remember showing it to my classmates and my, my teacher and everyone was really, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. And it got a lot of, um, of uh, got a lot of positive reception. You know, that kind of ignited my, um, my passion for filmmaking. I've had it ever since. So I think it all goes back to when I was, um, when I made that, that first movie for my, my history class. What is your favorite genre to write in? That's a good question. I like, well, definitely definitely horror is, a, is, is definitely a fun genre to explore. Um, I'm also interested in comedy, because I, I feel like comedy is very hard to, um, you know, to execute. So that, I think, lots of drama as well. So, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a question for me to answer, but I guess for right now, I would say comedy, just because that's the hardest, and that's the area that I think I'm, I'm learning as a writer, the area that I kind of, kind of struggle with, but I also feel like I have, you know, potential to, to execute it in a substantial way, I think. I'm always learning and growing. So I think for right now, comedy would probably be at the top of my list with, with horror coming right underneath it. Very cool. What movies or films inspired you to become a filmmaker? One of my number one favorites is do the Right Thing, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. That's a movie that I saw probably when I was about 11, 11 or 12, and I've seen it, you know, multiple times since, and I've always find new things about it that stand out to me, and it's just a movie that I'm never able to forget. I think Do the Right Thing, and seeing what Spike Lee did with that, you know, exploring race and all these different characters coming, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the, with the film, but about a town or a city in Brooklyn on the hottest day of the summer, and you kind of see how racial tensions erupt during this time, so that's kind of what inspired me to want to go out there and, and create my own work. I noticed watching um, a lot of your videos on your website that you, you're really good at writing dialogue. You 
you manage to make it realistic and kind of simplistic, and whereas a lot of people make their dialogue overly complicated, too lengthy, and like almost kind of talk down to people, but I definitely noticed, and maybe it's because of your influences with um like Spike Lee's movies and things like that, you kind of have a good understanding of the people that you're writing first, and then you write. I was wondering if, um, wondering how do you keep the dialogue and the interactions between the characters simple and uh, realistic? Uh, well, first, I just want to, you know, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for the compliment. Well, for me, when I, when I write, I write the way I would like to hear characters speak. So that, I guess, that kind of comes down to how I talk in, in my day-to-day, and I, I'm very observant, so I listen to what, you know, how my friends, peers, even strangers, how they talk to each other, kind of like listening to the speech patterns and how we, you know, we stutter sometimes, and, you know, there's a lot of ums, uh, and just different phrases. But I always strive to make sure that what I write is something that I would like to hear. Because I, I make films not just as a filmmaker, but also as an audience member. I want to, the movies that I make are movies that I would like to see in theaters. So it all comes down to, which, which kind of, you know, in a, in a sense kind of sounds kind of selfish, but I, I do it to please myself. Um, so that it kind of goes down, and I also um, recite a lot. I, I, when I write, I perform it out loud. But when I write a scene, I'll go back and I'll read it as the different characters. And I think hearing it out loud also is what helps me um, to decipher like what is what sounds natural, what sounds believable, and what doesn't. So it's it's definitely a different um, steps that go into my writing process in terms of in terms of dialogue. Watching some of your stuff, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Alfred Hitchcock, where he knew like what scared people, what drove people. He had a very good understanding of like the human psyche, and from what I've seen, you kind of really understand that. A lot of your stuff is very. It, it seems very existential, but it really kind of explores issues that are in a more complicated way. I thought that was very impressive. Wow. Well, first, I got to just thank you for putting me in the, you know, the same sentence of Hitchcock. That's, wow, thank you. Oh, no problem. It's true. So what is your favorite aspect of filmmaking? Rehearsal. I like rehearsals. Even though with my first feature, Goranos, we actually didn't really have a lot of rehearsals. I, did, I valued the times where we did get together before we started shooting, or even if it was the day of shooting, just before the camera started rolling, when the actors were, you know, just going over lines and we were just talking about things. That's, that's my favorite process, because that's like the beginning of seeing the story and the characters come to life. So I, I, very, I very much value rehearsals. And I guess that also comes from the fact that I did go to Carnegie Mellon, and they have a very strong, strong drama program. And rehearsal is, is very vital and crucial to the you know, to the process of creating art. So I guess rehearsals for me would probably be my, uh, my favorite, aside from, you know, filming and then the editing, editing process. So I guess, yeah, I'm just going to go with rehearsal. What do you think makes a great film? What films would you describe as, like, truly great? Definitely a lot of aspects. Um, for me, I would say believability is, is, a, is a key, and believability doesn't always have to mean realistic. I feel like as long as, no matter what we're seeing, whether it's, you know, sci-fi or magical realism, whatever the genre, as long as, you know, as audience members, we're able to believe and buy what's going on. I think that makes a great film. I think um, story, I, you know, you can't have anything. There cannot even, film can't exist without a story, in my opinion. So I think the story is strong and it's uh, something that audiences can either relate to or enjoy. I think that also plays a, plays a big part. And, of course, actors, um, you know, working or having great actors in, in a particular film can make or break it as well because, um, you know, the actors are, are the people who are bringing everything to life. 
because you know we don't necessarily see the directing of it. We don't necessarily see the writing of it. We see the actors and we see the performance. So um, a lot of the film or the actors' performance kind of dictate, um, at least to me, dictate um, how a film um, plays out. So I think acting, having um, strong actors, make a great film. And of course, writing, um, having believable, um, naturalistic dialogue, um, strong dialogue. Or, and not even if the films that don't really have too much dialogue, just strong action, things that are always moving and driving the story, things that keep us entertained, things that, you know, that, that inspire a reaction from us, whether it's, you know, fear, laughter, sadness, um, happiness, just things like that. As long as we have an experience, some sort of experience, and I think um, another filmmaker that comes to mind that, that consistently does that, in addition to the spike, in my opinion, is um, Tarantino. And Tarantino is another one of my favorites. And I really appreciate just his approach to making films. He also makes films for himself. He does. He's not trying to appease anyone other than himself. And, you know, if the audience happens to enjoy what he's doing, then that's great. And I, I really admire that. About great dialogue, great story, great actors, and also just the creativity. Just, you can just see his creativity shine in, in all of his films. He puts his own spin and puts his own stamp on a film. You know, he, he, you can never mistake another filmmaker for Tarantino, just like you can never mistake another filmmaker for Spike or, or Alfred Hitchcock. So I think um, those, all of those little um, elements are what make a great film. And I, you know, I aspire to do that, to do that in my own work. Very cool. Yeah, you can always tell when a film is authentic, when somebody's making a film that they think is great, as opposed to when you can tell a production company just has like a checklist, like we need this, we need this, and it never comes out nearly as good as the ones that are genuine, even if they have a much lower budget. So I definitely agree with your points there. Exactly. exactly. So you, you told us what you like in a great movie. Do you have any guilty pleasure movies or, or, or terrible movies that you like to watch for, for any reason? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I have, I have a big list of those. For one, I enjoy reality TV. I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but I do. You know, reality shows like um, the Real World. I watch um, like Bad Girls Club. Things that are just very much, you know, not <laughs> not things that we we really should be, um, you know, praising and indulging. But you know, I can't help it. I'm just well. And honestly, actually, on um, minor side note, I also find inspiration in reality shows. To be honest, because even though even though no reality shows there's an element of, of it being scripted and not necessarily 100% authentic. So I, I also listen to how those people talk because some of them aren't necessarily actors, even though they are acting in a sense. They are real people, so I do listen to how they talk, you know, listen to what, you know, their little nuances and things like that. So um, I definitely watch a lot of... Not, well, maybe not... I don't watch like an excessive, excessive amount of reality shows, but I do watch a good amount of reality Oh, I definitely enjoy um, the horror movies, the, you know, kind of the cheesy horror movies from the 80s, like um, Sleepaway Camp, like the Sleepaway Camp series is a, is a well, I mean, actually, I won't even call that a guilty pleasure. I, I don't have any shame in admitting I, I enjoy the Sleepaway Camp films. Nor should you. Um, right, because, you know, it is, honestly, it is a classic. Those, those, those movies are classic. But I, I guess compared to, like, today's horror standards, they wouldn't necessarily, you know, live up to the hype, I guess. But for me, and the you know, thousands of other people, thousands of other horror fans, that's, that's a, it's something that I would watch proudly. Kind of like the cheesy, cheesy teen comedies from like the 90s, like uh, She's All That, movies that aren't necessarily, or um, a movie called Get Over It, but movies that aren't necessarily in the same line as like John Hughes films, but are still, 
you know, teen films that have built up a cult following. So movies like that, it's like the cheesy romantic teen comedies I enjoy, the kind of uh, silly horror movies I enjoy, reality shows. I, I, I have a big, pretty big list of what, what, what could be considered guilty pleasures. Yeah, a, a, very, <laughs> a very diverse palette. It's amazing how you can kind of find inspiration, and even not just so much inspiration, kind of learn even from things that aren't exactly the highest class of writing. It's it's always right. interesting. I can take like little elements of how this was written and kind of see where they were going with it. Exactly. Uh, could you tell us anything about your current project, Gornis? The basic premise is it follows a young man named Miles who um, becomes haunted by a supernatural presence in the wake of his 18th birthday. So um, there's very much a supernatural, um, a supernatural film. Well, some direct influences on this particular film were um, Scream, Final Destination, and um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I really, and I guess, but I guess out of those three, the biggest influence was Scream. And Scream is one of my favorite um, horror films because I thought it was, it was very witty, very smart, and unbelievable. Even though the actions of the film weren't necessarily realistic, I believed everything that happened in it. And I, I enjoyed the fact that for, for the first time, you see characters that watch horror films. You see characters that understand horror films. Because one of the issues that I have with some horror films is that the characters in it, you would think they had never heard of the horror genre. Like, they just do things that just aren't even close to being realistic. And you, you just ask yourself, don't you guys watch horror movies? Don't you guys know? Don't do that. Don't go in there. Don't follow that person. But I feel like Scream was a film that acknowledged all of that. Oh, and also on Friday the 13th, part six, that's another favorite of mine. That they did, the, and that kind of, in my opinion, kind of started the whole trend of um, self-aware horror films. So those films are, were big influences on my film. And uh, without getting too much into plot, you know, because I want you all to see it and kind of experience it and be surprised and everything. What I will say is, these are characters, kind of in a similar vein of the screen characters and the characters from um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. They watch our movies. They they understand the the um, cliches and the different conventions that you see in horror films. So these are very much intelligent um, teenagers. They're not, you know, dumb and, you know, blindly walking into dark alleys and things like that. They they know what's going on. Well, they don't necessarily know what's going on, but they, you know, come together and try to figure out what's going on. It's my hope that audiences can watch this and relate to the characters, um, have, an, have an experience with these characters. And because um, another... Another thing that kind of bothers me sometimes with horror is that a lot of the protagonists, we don't root for them anymore. I think if you go back to the old school, you, you, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street, like, yes, Freddy is, you know, Freddy is the man in the horror world, but we were still rooting for Nancy. We still wanted her to defeat Freddy um, because he, you know, was a, a, a pure, pure evil. And um, I think Halloween, like, you, you were rooting for Lori. And um, even though, once again, like, Michael is another horror, you know, horror god, we still wanted her to defeat. We wanted her to get away. And I think nowadays, a lot of horror films come out and you're, you know, you're looking at your watch, like, okay, when is this guy going to get killed? When is she going to get killed? And I, I, you know, that kind of bothers me. I, I want us to go back to caring about the main characters. And I want you to feel something when you see a loved one on screen die. So it's, it's my goal that I can, that I hopefully created that experience for audience. Um, you know, when you care about what's going on and, you want to see these guys make it, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to do with with Gornos. 
Very cool. It seems like with horror movies nowadays, everyone's trying to make a new slasher icon rather than making an actual movie. I think the reasons right. why um, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th were so good was because they were trying to make a movie, and they became icons because they were good movies. So. Right. And then, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I watch a lot of behind-the-scenes like documentaries and films and things like that. And um, like for Nightmare on Elm Street, I remember uh, Wes Craven, you know, he didn't intend to make a, he didn't intend for the Nightmare on Elm Street series to become a franchise. And very much the same way, I don't think John Carpenter did Halloween wanted that, expected that either. So I think a lot of the, the classic horror films, they're, it's like you said, they're approaching it as a story first and foremost. They're not thinking, you know, how much money is this going to make? Or, you know, how many dolls can we create from this villain? How many, you know, this and that it was about the story. And then they just happen to become, you know, immensely popular. So I, I, that's how I approach this film. I wasn't, I'm not trying to create, you know, the next horror villain or the next this. I'm just trying to make a solid horror film. So um, I, I'm definitely excited. I'm excited to see how it's received and, you know, what, 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 uh, what the next step is. Definitely. We're excited to see that. What projects are you going to be working on next after Gornos? Like I'm, I'm a crazy writer, so I'm always working on different scripts, writing multiple things at the same time. So the next, the, um, the next project that I want to do is actually um, a romantic comedy. So just how, just how I was saying, I, there were things about the horror genre that I didn't like. You know, I didn't like this, a lot of things in the horror genre that bothered me. I kind of see things in the romantic comedy genre that bothered me as well. I kind of wanted to my own stamp or my own, put my own voice into a romantic comedy film. So that's the next, uh, my next um, film is going to be a romantic teen comedy. And it's also going to have that kind of a similar self-awareness that Gornos has, where these characters kind of talk about romantic comedy films and they're aware of the different cliches and the different tropes that come with romantic comedies. My goal is that I create something new, something fresh um, with that genre. And I, I also didn't want to be thrown in a box because I didn't want want to make Goranos and then my next film be a horror film and then, you know, I'm labeled a horror director. I want to, I want to explore all, all different venues and all different types of film genres. So I want to do something completely different. So it's going to be Randy comedy, as I've said, and the protagonist is going to be a woman. Whereas Goranos, the protagonist is a man, I want to switch it up as well and, and focus on, on things from a, from a, a woman's perspective. So that's the next project that I'm working on and, and developing. Very cool. I feel at this point in time, genre is kind of almost something that gets deconstructed, like all the best movies now are taking genres and formulas and you see what you can do with it. And what right, separates right. the good writers and the bad writers is who can actually work with it instead of just regurgitating what's been done a million times. A lot of it is like cookie cutter movies anymore. Exactly. Egg, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of branch out and, and do you know, do things in popular genres, but do them in my own way. Kind of very much in the, the same vein as, like, a, not to compare myself to him, but in a way that, the way that Tarantino takes genres that he's seen, and it takes things he's seen thousands of times before and puts his own unique spin on it. I, I want to do the same thing. And I definitely do that with other genres as well, going, you know, not just romantic comedies, but just broad comedies. I have other horror films that I'm, scripts that I've written as well that, also, in my opinion, I think, I guess, familiar stories, but done in different ways, done in, in new ways. So I, I, it's my goal to kind of do that with various genres, like dramatic films, comedies, manic comedies, horror. You know, I, I want to, you know, participate in, in, in the whole, in the whole case. You know what I mean? What is your opinion on hairless cats? 
we ask this question of everyone we interview. Um, it's kind of a running joke in the show. Hairless cats? That's a question you don't get every day. We like to throw this at everybody at the end of the interview, see how they react. I can't say that I'm a, a fan of hairless cats. They, they look kind of weird. I guess hairless, any animal, looks a little weird to me. Yeah, I guess hairless cats would be kind of creepy, I think. If I see a hairless cat, I would, I would be suspicious of their of their motives and what, what they're doing and why they're hairless. That's exactly how I feel. I think that I, I've seen a few and it's like, what, it, what went wrong in this cat's life? Like, something's not right. That's nature's way of telling you to get away from it. <laughs> I just think they're adorable and they, they just want your love and they, they need heat from something because they, they lost all their hair and they just want somebody to love. And people just shun exactly. them because they think they look creepy. But they're just a sweet animal. But they do look creepy. You they look adorable. You can't get past that part. Like they're they're <laughs> definitely like odd looking creatures. Like I would never treat an animal poorly ever. But they're it's not my first choice of pet. That's for sure. And I feel like most right, people yeah. seem to feel the same way, <laughs> except for weirdos like Corey. So. <laughs> so yeah, where can we uh, follow you to stay up to date on your projects and um, learn more about your future works? I do have a Gornos Facebook page. You just type in Gornos. G-O-R-E-N-O-S into the search engine where the only thing, you you know, the only thing that pops up. So we have a Facebook page. We have some little behind-the-scenes videos, and um, we have updates posted there. I can be reached um, at my website, ClarenceWilliamsIV.com, and there um, I have short films that I've made, um, updates of upcoming projects and things I have uh, coming up, writing samples, just some short scripts that I've written, and... You know, stay tuned. The film is in like the final stages of post production. We're definitely trying to do the film festival route. We have a bunch of um, film festivals that we're, we're getting ready to commit to, as well as horror conventions. We're trying to, you know, schedule screenings at various horror conventions throughout the, uh, throughout the country. So just, you know, stay tuned and uh, very excited to see where, you know, where we end up. And um, thank you guys for having me on the show. It was a, it was a great honor. Definitely. Thank you for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. If you have an independent film you're working on and would like to discuss it, email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter account at bmoviepaul. Don't forget to listen to our podcast. We review a different bmovie each week. New episodes every Friday on our website, bmoviebros.com. you have a movie you'd like us to review or any additional comments, feel free to leave a message below. This has been another B-Movie interview. We are the B-Movie bros saying, be brave, be alive, and be back next time.